Hey, what's up? Today I am talking with Travis from Fixed. He does the royalties and financial management over at uh, Fixed, a really good record label that handles a bunch of electronic, metal, and rock bands. And it's really nice uh, to show different perspectives from your guys' realm. You haven't heard a lot of people that work for a label talk about their you know day-to-day or their perception on things in the music industry. So I really wanted to talk to, talk to him because I also really like the way that Fixed operates as a label. And so, yeah, it's nice to hear different perspectives. And uh, even for me, talking to someone from a different label, like I've only been involved with two labels in my career. And so it's nice to hear the perspective of someone else. And so, yeah, we're going to get into it. And first, I would like to say, can you leave a five-star review on whatever you listen to? Just go to the top of the profile, follow, and then leave that five-star review. That helps more than anything in the world. And with that being said, let's get into this episode with Travis from fixed and i am johnny mcbee and you're listening to the burn this world podcast all right you ready you need water yep. i should have brought a water in here with me i've got water like beverage <laughs> <laughs> i have some laundry detergent right in front of me i can maybe make that work <laughs> yeah might, right, might I, be a short interview. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, definitely. <laughs> All right, I am here with Travis from Fixed. How are you doing today, man? Uh, not too bad, Johnny. How about you? Doing good. Just uh, another day in the life of a musician, you know? I feel you. Too many phone calls and uh, not enough music, honestly. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and so, that. Yeah. And so um you handle a lot of the financial side of fixed music, which is honestly my favorite um labeled for the music side of it. Fixed covers everything. Uh they call it future rock, which is all electronic rock and metal stuff. And um so I'm just a big fan of all the every single fixed artist, particularly like the algorithm, uh, one of my all time favorite metal electronic bands or acts whatever artists whatever you want to call it um but you're how long have you been working with fixed uh so i started with fix back in august of 2020 um i was familiar with the label um james rhodes who's the vice president is actually a friend of mine uh from high school and uh that's kind of how i found the job and uh talked with him and like you, I'm a fan of the algorithm as well. Uh, big fan. I uh, love, love the stuff that Remy does. So yeah, it's just, it's um, unique. And it, he takes advantage of what electronics can bring to metal. I think it just, um, it gives so much depth and so much energy that electronics does. And he does it really flawlessly. Yeah, for sure. And, uh, so I, I wouldn't visited you guys and I love the fact that you guys are kind of a small town label. It's a, it's a nice small setup in, uh, in Iowa. And I think that that's just awesome. Uh, it, I hate Hollywood. I'm not about it. <laughs> I hate that. Whole, <laughs> I hate the whole big industry vibe. And so you guys are really doing it, um, proper like that. And so how does it feel working with, um, like a small, uh, group. I mean, there's a lot of people that work with fixed, um, all over the place, but just there at the headquarters, is it a real tight knit little, uh, you know, group? Yeah. Just the, uh, 
the Iowa office is uh, the, we got four of us that are there, um, you know, up to the top at the vice president with James. And then uh, we've got Curtis who does operations, Michelle who does merch, and then myself in the accounting and royalty area. And, uh, you know, it's, it's nice to have that small team be able to just run over to somebody's office and discuss something, you know, share something. Yeah, you don't have to um, wait yeah, we, for an email or something. Yeah, I mean, we're able to, you know, discuss things real quick and get back to artists in a timely manner. Um, you know, if it's something that we can handle within the office and then um, with the other staff that we have that work remotely, um, just using, you know, chat to be able to talk pretty quickly throughout the day and get back to our artists and, you know, have that, you know, one-stop shop of being able to, answer pretty much any question that an artist might have, you know, it's, it's just a, it's a great feeling. And I know that artists appreciate it. Got an email from an artist the other day that said that, you know, I got back to him faster than any label had ever gotten back to him. And (laughs) it's just, it's just a great, it's a great feeling hearing things like that. Um, you know, when, if it takes me an hour to get back to somebody and I feel bad knowing that they're used to one to two weeks to hearing something. So <laughs> I know all about that. So yeah, definitely. Yep. Uh, and so with working at a label like this, um, cause not a lot of people talk to talk to people that work within labels. Um, is it, is it essentially a nine to five? Um, it's, it's not, I mean, it is, but it's not, I mean, we, we we put in our office hours uh but at the same time you know we're we're continuously talking to artists um you know working with artists in different areas of the country different areas of the world you know uh time difference is going to be a thing so um we might answer questions at you know all hours of the night um you know for somebody but you know it's uh it's it's one of those things that it is a 9 to 5 to get the paycheck, but you know, to be where we want to be as a label, taking care of our artists, we have to be outside of that nine to five. Definitely. I, I cannot stand, uh, there's been all these industry people that I've worked with over the years that after like 5 PM on Friday, you cannot talk to them. It's like until Monday. It's like, dude, I don't care that it's Saturday. I'm in the middle of nowhere, Nebraska, playing a show, and I need to talk to you, you know. And it's like the the a lot of the big labels, uh, they especially ones that are owned by these huge conglomerates, they're just they're collecting a salary, and they don't give a crap beyond that. uh, It feels like at least, and I've been involved with a few, Um, and so it just it felt good. I'm not even involved with fixed on the music side, um, but it just felt nice. uh, Your guys' headquarters and the setup of it being like small town because it's like okay, I'm working with like real people here that are like me, not just you know, uh, you know, New York suits, or at least that's what it feels like with some of those big ones. And so you you guys are all very hands on directly talking with every single artist then. Yeah, for sure. I mean, it just, you know, depending on what our, our role is with the, with the label. I mean, I, I talk to artists on a daily basis, uh, about different things and, you know, I've created relationships with artists and, you know, I think a lot of them, some of them have had the misconception that, you know, the label is, are these higher up people that don't care and, you know, me as the finance person, I've got to reach out to people about payments and stuff like that. And I've had, 
you know, artists on our label that have wondered who Travis was and uh, worried about Travis sending an email about something. And then they've met me in person and been like, oh, he's just a person just like me. <laughs> right. <laughs> somebody that loves somebody that loves music and, you know, wants to take care of me. And, you know, so it's been great to, um, you know, have those relationships with uh, the artists. And um, I think overall, it's just been, it's been great for me. And, you know, it's a great experience for a lot of the artists on our roster. Definitely. And I mean, uh, talking from experience uh, of working with, I've, the two labels I've specifically worked with, the the royalty and collecting money side is a nightmare. For Earache, it was uh, they were just incompetent, and with my current label, it's all through Universal, and so like even the people that are with the label that are trying to pay me have to go through Universal for approval, and then there's like five people approving crap at Universal, and then it takes just all this time, and I I just wish it was simple. It's like, is it possible to make that kind of crap simple? Yeah, I think, you know, what it boils down to is there is communication is key. And so many corporations get tied down in the certain areas doing certain things and failure to communicate. And, you know, within with us being such a small label, you know, I work, you know, 20 feet from the vice president of the company. He can run over my office and be like, hey, we need to pay this or, you know, we need to do this or what do we have to do for this, you know, contract. Mm -hmm. And it's super simple to get things done. And, but it's all about communication definitely. and whether, whether that's email, you know, DMS to each other or, you know, phone call or even a text message on the weekend, you know, it's, it's super easy for us because we have, you know, this tight knit group and we're able to communicate with each other. And I think that's where, you know, some of the problems I've, I worked in corporate, America for 13 years and communication was always a problem when I worked in corporate America. And, you know, I don't, I don't have that in the current role that I have. So, you know, you know, communication is definitely key. And I think that even on the large label, um, side of things, you know, they could make things better with just simple things like communication. Right. Yeah. And it's uh, so much stuff just gets put off. And um, I mean, you guys have a lot of artists. How many artists does Fix have? Oh, man. I think our active roster is north of 30 yeah. right now. Yeah. Yeah. And that's a lot. So, and, uh, and also, one thing Fixed does is uh, puts out a lot of music, a ton. It's uh, each yeah. artist is cranking out music nonstop. It feels like, and um, I think that's awesome. And have you worked with a label before working with Fixed? Uh, no, Fixed is the first label I've worked for. Um, you know, I had, I, I, like I said, I came from the corporate world. I was in banking for 13 years, and I actually I went to college for music. Um, commercial music was my thing, and I did some music business stuff and wanted to be in, uh, the music industry, uh, coming out of college and, uh, didn't work out, but, you know, luckily, uh, things with fixed, uh, came about. So, yeah. And so you had this, uh, quote unquote, we're real world experience that you transitioned into, uh, the music side. Yep. Yep. Sure did. Yeah. And I mean, I think it's, it's awesome that can go either way too. people that work in the music industry can transition to real world stuff at some point. It's just, it's all intertwined and really the music side, 
I, I always feel so stupid when I would meet someone new and uh, they'd be like, so what do you do? I'd be like, well, I'm a musician. And then they kind of picture me just, you know, playing some, you know, bars every, you know, couple of months or something. And it's yep. like, no, it's a, it's a bit of a business. Like there's, there's real stuff there and it, it really can be connected to uh, real business as well. So it's nice to hear that you came from banking and then now you're working on something a lot more passion that you're passionate about and yeah um, because you are a musician as well you have a band um and you're a vocalist and you've been you've been going at music for a while too so is it uh feel good to get out of that corporate world and get into a creative realm it does um you know i i was like you said i'm a vocalist and I started doing metal bands back in, I think my first band got together 2004, 2005, uh, timeframe and, uh, was doing some metal vocals back then and did it for about four and a half years and then kind of retired when I got into the banking world. I was just so busy with family and work and everything. I just kind of got out of it. And then, uh, fast forward to 2020 and working for fixed. I just, it got that passion going again for music. And I was just like, you know, I really miss doing my metal. Like I, I miss screaming. And, uh, <laughs> so I started a, I started a TikTok channel and I started doing some, actually started it doing fixed covers and then fell into the metal world on TikTok and, uh, met some people and, uh, ultimately uh got started my band and i've uh, been doing that for the last uh coming up on a year now so and what's the name of your band um I'm, my band is uh misery system misery system it's a good name too thanks man and uh <laughs> it's a good name a good name is very important trust me yeah and um so with with being so involved with fixed has it made you like the electronic metal side more or are you still just into the really heavy stuff it's made me like it more. Um, I think that, you know, it's, it's definitely give, given me a pre- an appreciation for the electronic side and seeing a lot of the, the metalcore bands are starting to add that electronic feel into their music now. Um, you know, more so than they were, um, back when I was doing it, you know, Oh four, Oh five, Oh six, that yeah. time frame. you know, seeing that, you know, it's given me an appreciation and, just uh, even on our synthwave side, you know, seeing like we have uh, Young Medicine, for example, they kind of have the metal background, like the metalcore background, and then they're doing some synth with their stuff and, you know, adding that in there. So just uh, it's overall seeing a bunch of that stuff kind of combined together. It's given me a, a much greater appreciation for uh, some of the music that's out there. Yeah. And with being uh the financial person of this side of stuff do you think that um just cuz the majority of money comes from streams now uh, pretty much all of it uh from at least the side of what the music is making money on um instead of CDs do you think that there's a advantage to being a label that is based off of electronic stuff and being on the internet more and being maybe involved in like Twitch more and stuff like that. Do you think there's an advantage to being that electronic rock or metal stuff compared to being like, you know, death metal it just in the modern world of streaming being the basis of money? 
Yeah, for sure. I think that a, a lot of the electronic rock and metal stuff, you know, it's, it's a lot more universal and digestible for a lot of people. And so with things like Twitch and, you know, streamers playing music in the background and, you know, you know, things like that. I think that it's, it's definitely, definitely beneficial and being able to get on mediums like that, you know, like Twitch and, uh, you know, YouTube streamers and things, it, it gets your music out there to people that you may not have reached before. So I think that there's, there's definitely a lot of benefit, um, to it, um, in the long run. So how much of the focus of the, of like trying to make as much money for an artist is there on just trying to grow streams as opposed to getting external monetary, um, like things like placements on stuff? Yeah, I think that, you know, placements are certainly important. Um, and by you know, placements, uh, getting like commercials or video game slots or anything like that, or. Yeah. Yeah. Sync, like sync licensing and things like that is, it's, it's definitely important to the artists, but you know, streams, you know, the DSPs like Spotify and Apple and Amazon and Tidal and, you know, all of them, it's, it's where a lot of people listen to their music anymore. And, and so uh, you're monetarily, is, is that the majority of money? If someone can land like a big sync placement, is that like a, a big enough bulk to, be worth like trying to focus on or is is it just mainly need to stream as much as possible you're you're needing to do i mean a little bit of both is is great but you're definitely needing to get the streams i mean there's there's a lot to be made out there in the streams um you know things like you know spotify a lot of people like to dog on spotify not paying a lot to artists but you got to look at the millions and millions of users on spotify and how that's generating income for people. Yeah, definitely. And so the, if someone was to, if a band was to land, like say a a game was putting out a trailer for an update and a band got their song on it for like 20 to 30 seconds or whatever the trailer length is, what does something like that typically pay? Um, it really just depends on the label, the, the company, what their budget is and things like that. It's really difficult to give a, right. <laughs> oh, a good number for yeah, those. But is, but, is it like I mean, 500 bucks or like 10 grand? Yeah. You're not, you're, you're not typically getting super large amounts of money based off placements and games and things like that. Okay. No, I mean, yeah, a lot of your, a lot of your income is probably going to come from the streaming. Gotcha. And whenever someone does get a get a placement or a sync, is it is it typically just like a one time thing, or is it if they if that trailer gets a million views, does the person get paid based off of that, or is it just a flat rate? Um, I don't I don't do a ton with the the syncing like the sync gotcha. licensing stuff, but a, a a lot of it I believe is one time. Yeah, definitely. That seems like it'd be the easiest way to go about it. Right. <laughs> they just buy the yep. the rights to that little clip or whatever, and then they do it. Yep. And so, yeah, I mean, streaming is, it, it is crazy. It was unforeseen. Uh, and it just being such a big thing. I mean, even whenever the Browning started full time, I wouldn't have guessed that CDs would be so irrelevant uh, 
it's it's crazy. And so with the majority of fixed artists not being touring artists, are you guys doing CD prints or anything like that at all? Yeah, we do some we still do some CDs, we still do vinyls um for some of our artists and you know, it's it there's still demand for it. The demand doesn't quite seem to be there like it used to be back in the day and i'm sure you could probably attest to that <laughs> yeah definitely i mean um, it, it seems yeah, like yeah. some bands are doing more vinyl than cd because if you're gonna buy a collector's item essentially you might as well buy the vinyl yeah i mean yeah i've, I've seen just in my personal life friends of mine that have over the last five years their vinyl collection has just become massive <laughs> and they have no they have no cds at all and right. so even some even some of the bands like my favorite bands that I listen to almost every album they've done now is on vinyl in some way but you can't get CDs anymore. Right. So, how how did you feel about that thing Kanye just did? Did you see that? Uh no. He released so. he released this album and the only way you could listen to the album was on this MP3 like remix device that he made. And you had to get the device. It was like $200. And that was oh, the God. only way you could actually hear the music. And so didn't put it on streams, didn't make CDs, nothing. You had to buy this $200 device that you could then remix like his stems on it. And that was the only way you could hear the music. That's insane. I'm surprised you didn't, surprised you didn't put it in some shoes and you had to like, you know... <laughs> Tap you on have the to side step. You have to, yeah, you have to step a certain way to get the the bass drops. And... <laughs> <laughs> I mean, part of me is like, well, I mean, at least he's trying something different. Um, and clearly, he's not concerned about getting money from streams off of Spotify or whatever. But at least he's trying to trying something different. And uh, do you think there's any possible way to rotate to anything new beyond just having to? you know, try to get as much streams on Spotify and Apple and Amazon. And do you think there's any possible way that things would switch at this point? Because it seems like these platforms become so mainstay because it's the best product for the consumer, but not necessarily the best product for the artist. Right. <laughs> to, to me, it just, it seems like streaming has become the, the way to go. And I it's it's difficult for me to see a way that it goes away from that because it's so easily attainable for somebody to, you know, get a, you know, $10, you know, subscription to a service and then be able to listen to anything and everything they want at any time. And to be able to steer away from that just seems, especially with the way society is now, like it, they want what's easily digestible, the quickest way I can get it. Cheapest. That, yeah, cheapest way I can get it. That's how I want it. Right. And it just, it seems like that's pretty much the way of the future. Well, uh, to I, me. I just wonder with like Netflix raises their price like every six months. Like why couldn't Spotify raise yep. their price every <laughs> yep. six months and then just pay a little bit more royalties? Like it seems like that it would be possible, but also, at at some point, everyone would just take the free version and listen to ads, probably. Yeah, I th I think that you you see a lot of I mean, yeah, Netflix raises their price, and 
they become competitors that will come in at a lower price and offer you essentially the same service. And so there's that, you know, marketplace battle of who's going to get your streams and right. kind of, it be, it basically becomes a wash is there um, any, in the long run. Is there any company that is competing with Spotify as far as how, how much royalties get paid out um, on average? Like, it, are any of them streaming as much or paying higher rates so that the artists make more on their platform? I think there are some that pay higher. I saw a graphic recently that had kind of a breakdown of who pays the most. And ultimately, I think that Spotify has kind of set their their price or where they are as a middle ground of we're going to pay you this amount but you're getting most of your streams here. Right. The, so, the, and what's the difference in streams from Spotify to say Apple? Oh, it's, <laughs> I wish I had some data in front of me yeah. <laughs> that I, that I could pull up, but I mean, it's, it's quite a bit. I yeah. mean, it's, it's, it's pretty drastic. I mean, the, the amount of Spotify users is insane. And even with, uh, you know, the recent sanctions on Russia and things like that, it's, Still, I mean, it's in a hundred and can't remember exactly how many. It's over 120 countries that Spotify is available. Yeah, yeah, and so that that Russia stuff is actually something I wanted to talk to you about um, because it, originally it was just like the Russian services got taken down, like the Yandex and YK and whatnot, and but then Spotify did get also the notice that they needed to stop sending streams to Russia. And the thing is for artists like the Browning or uh, pretty much probably all of fixed artists, Russia is massive for, because the, they love the electronic stuff over there, especially with aggressive music. And so uh, something like this, I mean, whenever they came down with, Oh, no more streams in Russia. Like what was, <laughs> what was the thoughts at fixed? Like, uh oh. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, it definitely, it definitely has an impact, and you know, a lot of it, it, a lot of it came down to you can't release new music, so you you still have your catalog there, so nothing new is going to be coming through. Um, so you still have streams; they're just not getting new music. Oh, okay. Gotcha. And which, which is, which is extremely unfortunate for you know those people having to deal with something that they had no control over yeah <laughs> Stop, you know stopping them from listening to new music and and i just um, I, it's know. hard for me to see the benefit of that like i understand like whatever sanctions as far as economic ones but seriously like music none, no russian is getting some sort of like wartime benefit from listening to wage war or lorna shore or something <laughs> Like I just right. I do not understand the point of that at all, and I'm sure no one does. <laughs> it's just one of those things where we're at the whim of every of the higher ups, and so. Right. But yeah, um, and with uh with working from a uh, with a label, has it changed your perspective on how you want to operate your band? It has, you know, you know, back in the day, I think. It, it makes me look at things differently than I did when I was in a band, you know, 
almost two decades ago, you know, back in the day, it was all about going out and playing shows and trying to get your music to people that way. And, you know, bands I played with selling a bunch of merch and we've got our CD, like we press our own CDs. We got a hundred of them, you know, trying to sell them as much as we can. Yeah. But like right now it's, it's a different world and streaming is such a powerful tool of making money. <laughs> like that is one of the primary ways of making money. So it's like, how fast can we get songs out? Like what type of release schedule do we want to have? Do we want to release an album at a time or do we want to do a whole bunch of singles and try to get as many playlists as we can, you know, things like that. And then, you know, I didn't really think about too much about pitching my music to other places outside of like, you know, pitching with the DSPs, but like finding things like submit hub for a smaller band, like submit hub has been huge for us because we were able to get, a couple playlists that drove thousands of streams for us, like within, you know, a month's time that we probably would have never got organically. Yeah. And so there was a, a place that you could go submit hub to be able to try to get like your smaller band on, uh, some bigger playlists or at least some playlists. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. So yeah, it's like just that, that idea of like streaming music is where, I'm, where I need to go instead of like, trying to get a band that can play out shows or, mm-hmm. you know, things so, like so that. Are you so, guys a full band? Uh, we're not. <laughs> so we are, there's actually two of us. Um, and I'm in Iowa and Jake, um, is in California. So, um, we basically do everything online right now. Yeah. Um, you know, share everything and with, uh, COVID and 2020 and how things went with that, a lot of bands form that way and it's kind of, you know, how we formed and we, we uh, me and Jake met through um, a friend of his who became a mutual acquaintance of mine. So, um, yeah. well, you know that through fixed with how all the artists operate there, that you can have a successful uh, music project without having to tour and be out there. Yep. And so yep, it's for like sure. totally possible. And that's, it's really opened my eyes to wanting to start other projects as well. Just, even if it's as heavy as it gets. I mean, look at Darko. Um, and Darko is a really good project from the singer from Chelsea Grin. And, yep. like, they're killing it. And they're probably making some good passive money off merch sales and off of streams. And it's like, why not just have it like that, you know? Yeah. Yeah, for sure. I, I think yeah, it's, 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 it's Yeah, it's definitely been... It's been interesting. Yeah, you, yeah Darko, like, I, I fell in love with their music right away. And it was just like that's just a side project and it's, it's not something that's going to be like a huge touring act, you know, every two years they're going out and playing a whole bunch of shows and stuff like that. It also might even allow you to write the music maybe differently than if you had to play it live, you know, you could actually write something more for the listening experience rather than the live experience. Yeah, for sure. Yep. And, uh, what other, what other like heavy, heavy, projects do you know of that are just like projects oh man (laughs) there's a lot of them (laughs) there there are quite a few of them out there i know Uh, that uh the singer uh danny why i can't remember his last name the singer of enterprise earth is releasing some stuff with his side project again 
um, I forget the name of it though, but uh, these, these really heavy vocalists, they just, they can do so much different stuff. And even, uh, like Dickie Allen from Infinite Annihilator, his, his side project yep. is now touring. Um, and so, yeah, it's, I mean, why not put your, put as much out there as possible until something hits? Yeah. I mean, it's, yeah, there's definitely a lot of opportunities out there and, you know, it's, it's interesting what bands can do with virtual instruments now. And mm-hmm. there's so many solo, there's so many solo projects out there now. And so, just, uh, it's, yeah. And also with yeah. cell dweller, um, with Clayton, he has, a he has a lot of projects that he does. Like he oh, yeah. <laughs> has Scandroid, circle of dust, um, uh, and, and a couple others. I can't even name them all. <laughs> and it, it seems like, do you think it's a, a really good, thing that artists not only him but other artists that are at fixed and a lot of people do stuff like this um to have multiple projects that are doing totally different genres or do you think that they should be more so focused on like one area um i i have a lot of respect for clayton and what he's done like you look at he's got cell dweller Circle of Dust, Scandroid, Freak Gen, and just like all different, like it goes from like the electronic rock and metal to synth wave. And like the, the Freak Gen stuff is like ambient music. Like I, I, I respect that he has the skill to do, you know, all of that. And then I think it's great for his fans because it opens up a whole bunch of different options for them for music because I don't know about you, but I know a lot of my friends that are like metalheads, they get stuck in. I like this and that's it. Right. Like I want to, I want to listen to Deathcore, and that's all I want to listen to. <laughs> yeah. And I think that, yeah, I think that when you have an artist that is like, I'm going to expand my horizons and present you with different music, it opens up that realm you know to somebody that may have never listened to that before there's probably some of his fans that only listen to his music but like a different project for each mood (laughs) yeah 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 for sure (laughs) yeah so it's like yeah I i think that that's awesome to have such a variety um yeah and the i don't know it's something i really want to do to for but i have too many project ideas and not enough time for sure um, and you, uh, getting involved with fixed, um, like, was it worrisome going from working at a bank to working at a label? Because obviously one is more stable than the other, um, just in the sense of, you know, a bank is a bank and a music label is involved in the music industry. And so was it worrisome or were you just like, F it or were you just not worried about any sort of, uh, potential, you know, uh, insecurity. Yeah. You know, it, the worry is always there. I think no matter what anybody tells you, there's always going to be a little bit of worry there. And of course I go from banking, which is, there's always going to be banks. Like that's, yeah. <laughs> that's, some, that's something that's never going to go away. And I could have, you know, done a long career in that, but you know, fix had been around for a little while. Um, you know, I think 16 years, you know, it's a solid company. I knew James and his passion for things. And so it made me feel a little more comfortable 
And at the end of the day, I was, it was something I was passionate about. I wanted to be in the music industry. Um, you know, it just, it felt right. And, you know, at the end of the day, could I find another job? Like I could, I could go back to banking if I wanted to. I yeah. have thir- 13 years of experience. I'm pretty sure most banks aren't going to shy away from me if I, <laughs> yeah, if, you know, if things went, you know, went in the shitter, but, um, you know, it was something I was passionate about and I talked with my fiance about it and, you know, she could see that I was excited about it, and that the passion was there. So at the end of the day, it was a pretty easy decision for me. Yeah. And I think that's one thing that people, people get so scared to take a leap into something like this because like you said, you can always go back to banking. You really could. And just like the same, if someone's a carpenter, you can always get a job being a carpenter. It, uh, you know, it's, I think that there's always an option out there with, with jobs like that, especially in today's day and age, people are begging people to work places. And yeah, so for sure. I think, I think it's awesome. You took a leap of faith like that. Um, cause it is less secure. It is music industry. So you never know. Um, but like what's what so far has been the most satisfying thing about working with fixed you know it was i think for me just the impact that what i do makes a difference to the artists you know like most people look at my job and they're like okay so you do accounting and royalties so it probably doesn't you probably don't deal with the artists you don't make decisions on the music so it's not that big of a deal, but you know, when I get, like I mentioned earlier, getting an email from somebody saying, you know, that's the fastest, and you know, the a labels got back to me. Like that's the fastest the label has paid me. Right. Well, <laughs> like, you're, you're the one that they all want to talk to, right? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> if they're I'm talking the to you, it's guy, good. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah I'm you the got important the money, guy. It's not the important guy. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. And so, that's that's that you know for me that's always been rewarding like get when I, whenever i get an artist it's just like holy crap you're right on top of it with this like you know that it just feels good like you know i'm i'm a, I'm a musician and you're a musician and like if i can help you out in any way or like make things easier for you or like make you happier like that just fucking makes my day. Yeah. And I think there's a big issue in the broader scheme of the music industry where there's not enough musicians working in the industry side of it, because uh, a lot of it's businessmen, a lot of it's uh friend of friends that just, you know, happenstance needed a job and their cousin gave it to him or something where yep. I think that really there needs to be like more musicians need to work their way into working into the industry because you can still be in a band and work for a label or you know work for a management company or booking agent and i think that just that hands-on experience of like being a musician gives you a more a level kind of playing field with the people that you're helping um, I just, I yeah, think there's sure. a big disconnect of these people that have never toured or even that tried to grind. Like some of these people never even tried grinding to make a band. And right. so it's just such a big, a big disconnect. And have you, have you been involved with like, since being with fixed, have you talked with other labels or are you more just all self-contained like by yourself? Um, uh, pretty much. Yeah, pretty much self-contained. Um, you know, I've talked to some other uh, labels or, um, you know, companies that 
a deal with multiple labels on on things and uh but yeah most most of what i do has been pretty self-contained yeah i mean honestly i'd stay away from if i was you anyway so (laughs) you're better off yeah i mean it's the the one thing that you know i I think that fixed you know it has been a great thing for fixed is you know clayton you know this is his label it's an artist's own label he dealt with the the bigger label thing and the headaches that you deal with and that you know part of the reason they started fix was to be the opposite of that and i think that we you know we we strive to do that on a daily basis and be the opposite of what you would expect from a label Definitely. you know i don't i don't know how many label or how many bands i've seen on tiktok or facebook talking negatively about labels and like we're an independent band and we're going to do things ourselves and we're going to do this and this and this. And I'm like, I promise you not all labels are like that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I think that you guys a majority just have it might be, but not all of them are. Yeah. And I think you guys have just set it up in a way that it's more, um, better for the modern world. I think, honestly, I think all record contracts that were signed, like, more than six years ago should all be renegotiated because streaming just changed everything. For Uh, sure. And so I feel like every single contract needs to be renegotiated because the streams were such a minuscule part of the contracts that it's, it's completely irrelevant money with how much bands actually make off the streams from these uh, standard label deals. And I, I feel like so much of this stuff was set up so long ago and has not updated with the modern world in any way uh even management fees and booking agent fees i think it all is should be updated um and i think you guys are doing things in a really good modern way and you have really good modern bands so it's just it's all working really well um yep for sure i think yeah i think that i think you hit the nail i on your last podcast i believe it was i think you talked about your mistakes um and i think that you mentioned that with the deals from back in the day, you could basically lock yourself into like essentially a 12 year deal mm-hmm. when all said and done. And the, the, the landscape changes so fast and like those 12 year deals screw you in the end. Yeah. Like definitely. <laughs> it, yeah. even right now, like 10 years down the line, I don't know. Like, that's why I asked you is like, what, what's next? Cause something's likely to change, but I don't know what to, at, at some point it, it feels like the artists just are going to make no money off their music. It feels like, right. uh, cause that's yep. just the, that's the trend. And so that's, that just feels like it's going to keep trending down downward. And so everyone's just going to have to figure out ways to monetize. And that's why I was so interested in the, the kind of like the sync stuff. Cause I was like, is that the only way out? But probably not yeah. because it doesn't happen enough for enough artists. It's a, it's a very rare thing. Right. And, um, so yeah, I don't know. Maybe it's just, it's all merch, <laughs> I guess. And yeah. Um, yeah. I think, I think there's, it, it's, it's going to be interesting. Cause I think there's, you know, a combination of things. And I think that, I think that ultimately a label that is going to take care of you and look out for your best interests. I, I, you know, I think that that's going to be the most important thing. I think a lot of, a lot of the bands that get caught into those long-term deals that essentially screw them over with, you know, you mentioned, you know, streaming being such a minuscule part, like what if sync is the next big thing? Right. That's a minuscule part in your contract when you sign it. (laughs) 
yep. and 10 years down the road, that's all that's important. Yep. And you know? like, I, I wonder too, there's, there's a lot of big artists that have done exclusive streaming deals. So like, you know, Garth Brooks doesn't have any music on Spotify or right. um, whatever that fool was that was raging about uh, Joe Rogan, you know, Neil Young, that was it. Neil Young. Yeah. Yep. He, he doesn't have now his music on Spotify, but it's, he signed an exclusive deal with, I think it was Apple music before that anyways. Yep. Uh, and so the exclusive deals do happen with big artists. Do you think there's any room for like deathcore, metalcore, anything like that? Like if the ghost inside was like, Hey, only play our music on Apple music. Do you think there's room in those type of exclusive deals for like smaller bands? I think you're just, I, to me, just from what I see, I think you're just kind of limiting yourself if you try to do something exclusive like that. It just seems like that when you are, like, if you look at a band that has 200,000 monthly listeners on Spotify, if you drive them all to Apple, is that really going to change too much for you? Right. Yeah, I guess so, it just depends on how much Apple pays, like... Yeah. 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 I mean, it, yeah, just, it depends. It depends on the the paper stream and things like that, but there's really at this point, there isn't too big of a difference, uh, differential in what you're being paid that I I think it makes a difference, especially for, especially for a smaller band like that. Yeah. Cause the problem that with like Spotify with smaller bands is like, if you want to grow, you have to be on Spotify and YouTube. That's it. That's your only yep. two options, pretty much. Yep. Uh, but with an maybe depending on the artist, if you're, if say someone like the size of you know a, a million monthly listeners, like an architect or something, if they did approach Apple and said, you know, pay us whatever X amount, and they know that for that album cycle based off of their normal streams, they're only going to make X amount with the streams. Maybe if they get paid that up front and then they make way less streams because it's only on Apple, maybe it's worth it. I don't know. I I think that there might be something possibly. there, but yeah, then, but then again, the, I don't, but I don't know how much bands like architects are looking to grow or just looking to, you know, maximize the money off of their current, uh, you know, their current fans. I don't know. That's, it's one of those things of do we grow or do we make more money? <laughs> I yep. feel like it's that's always the question. And at some point I feel like I would be fine with the, the, the fan base I have and not be worried about growing anymore. Personally, I say that, but maybe it's because, you know, I've, uh, in, in my current situation, I feel like the, the numbers are growing. They're growing per, like, uh, perpetually, but not at the rate. Like I never had like a big hype, like just blow up out of nowhere, uh, thing happened to me. And so it's always felt like very slow and perpetual. And like, I've had the same fans, even though I'm growing, you know, pretty exponentially each record, but right. in the modern world, like, what is it do you think that could give a band like that? Hey, last album, we had a hundred thousand. Now we have a million. Like what, what do you think would give that sort of potential? Um, <laughs> It seems repetitive right now because I, I know a lot of people talk about it, but things like TikTok have been such a huge thing. And I've seen so many artists just 
take off because of that. And and what um, about TikTok? Because that's the thing. Whenever you say that, to, like I don't use TikTok, never have. Um, right. And like my friend Sean, whenever someone says, "Oh, TikTok," Sean ain't gonna know it, what it means. <laughs> like, and yeah. Sean's probably gonna listen to this and be like, "True." And so, what about TikTok? Are do you mean like what? Did, how do bands blow up on TikTok? <laughs> So one of one of the common ways that you're seeing a lot of bands blow up is they will their one of their songs will become a trend, um, and that is it, that is a sound. So when you when you have music out, so like when Misery System puts out a song, I get my song goes on on TikTok for and there I can choose a minute long clip of that. And people can use whatever they want out of that minute to make a video. So if I have a hook that is like super catchy, people might start using that in videos. And then people are going to be like, oh, whose song is that? Whose song is that? Whose song is that? So they so it, they create this like little section of their music that other people can use in their <laughs> videos. And then people might make like with the I remember seeing the ones from um, the box from Roddy Rich. The, the right and people were like opening yep. and closing the doors yep and so basically crap like that yep yeah so crap like that so tiktok you actually make money every time that a video is created using your sound and um so that that is a way of making money like how much and money? then pl- not much <laughs> it's, <laughs> it's very it's very minuscule i mean it's it's pretty much like a spotify stream okay um, but so the amount of users is huge. Yeah, I mean, there's you know millions. Of, I mean, I'm not even sure what the total number of users on TikTok is right now. But I mean, China has their version of it too. So I mean, it's huge. I mean, it's it is a huge service. And, and, and how else do you monetize on TikTok besides getting paid per video that gets used using your sound? So if you become so you can. Once you hit the 10,000 follower mark, you can become a content creator and you can start earning money for your videos based off of how many views, comments, likes, that type of thing. Um, And I am a lowly metal vocalist who has like 13,000 followers because I had one video, one video go viral. What'd you do in the video? Why'd it go viral? (laughs) So... Taylor from Left to Suffer, yeah, did, did the whole uh, "Give me a huh yeah" thing, yeah, and so, so I stitched it and I did my own version of doing the "huh yeah" like as a metal vocalist, yeah. like did I did a tunnel throat? I got one point two million views, jeez, and my followers went from like I think I was around fifteen hundred at the time. I went from fifteen hundred to eleven thousand. Jeez, that's that's quick. <laughs> so and so, so on, like on, I said, yeah, if you if you have something that can like that goes viral with a trend or whatever, your followers can grow exponentially and like then you can start promoting your music to them. So like through it, your page. Whenever an artist, like a band that signed to a record deal, yep. uh has a TikTok and then they create the thing that the people are using their song in all these videos and then they get paid for these people using it are does that money go to the label <laughs> like what's yeah, happening it's, there it's, 
Yeah, it's typically it's typically part of the. I mean, I'm not sure on. I'm, I'm guessing most labels, it's part of the contract because it's essentially like a stream of your song, right? And so, um, so the TikTok's paying the band's TikTok, and then the, then it's going to the label's pocket after that. So it it, it gets paid out to yeah, it gets it gets gets paid out to the label. Uh, I so mean, it's, it's just like collecting a normal stream, like from like a like a normal ASCAP type yeah. deal. Yep. Okay. Gotcha. Yeah. And so it's, it's just, again, one of those things that the, the modern contracts need to be re- renegotiated for this type of crap. Cause like yeah. if, if an artist is really good at making TikToks and then they make all this freaking money from their TikTok and then it goes to the label that's sitting on their freaking crack, not doing anything like right. that's frustrating. Like bands should now in their modern contracts be like, yo, I, I want 80% of my TikTok. You can keep 20% for not doing anything, <laughs> but I want 80% or whatever it is. Like that, right. that's what I mean. These, these contracts are so out of date because no one would have thought a freaking thing like TikTok would be such a serious stream of income for some artists. Yeah. It's, it's just music is just so ever changing as far as like, how people are ingesting it and like, yeah, like you, you just, you hit the nail on the head with your last podcast. When I heard you say that, like talking about the, you know, the long-term deals and, you know, the way things change and it, it just, it was like music to my ears to hear somebody say it. <laughs> it should, there should be like a X, there should be like a, a term limit to how, how long your deal can last. Like, yeah, yep. X amount of albums, but if that doesn't happen within seven years, then terminates or renegotiates at least at a minimum. Yeah, yeah, uh, and I and I and I think for for the label's sake too. Anyway, it just makes sense to have clear terms that are, you know, I I think that a label can be hurt by a contract where they sign somebody and then it takes them three or four years to sign it or to finish an album. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> like, you know, ultimately like, does that album do well? Oh, it didn't do well. Well, we lost money. Yeah, well, and we're here five years later. We'll get another. Yeah, exactly. So I think that, yeah, it, it makes, it makes a lot of sense with what you said. And so with your, your, your one that went viral, um, your 1.2 million. Like, what is what kind of money would someone typically make from a TikTok like that? Not much. <laughs> <laughs> so TikTok says that with every with when you're in the uh, creator fund, it's like two to four cents per thousand views. Yeah, so it's, um, like, it's like a CPM model, clicks per yeah yeah million yep. or whatever. Yeah. Yep. So I think I've made a total, I think I joined the creator fund. I can't even remember when that was. Hasn't, it's been less than six months, I think. And I think I've made like a total of like 30 bucks total. Really? <laughs> so Yeah. I mean, after that, you know, and one of the, one of the complaints is that TikTok will suppress your views and, you know, things like that. If they start to see that you're making too much money and Oh really? Yeah. There's, they have the, they have this whole algorithm that they say is based off certain things. And there's a lot of questions out there on how true that is. And gotcha. If they actually, if they actually suppress views from people, 
yeah once they start making money and but with the with just the virality that's possible on tiktok like you guys had a band recently that um kind of that blew up the fight the fade right they yeah. they kind of hit really good on tiktok but then it transitioned to them doing really well on spotify am i correct on that yeah yeah there's there's a lot to there's a lot of uh correlation between bands that have a viral video or have some videos that really take off on TikTok, and then you know people go out to spotify or apple music and check out their profile follow them or yeah and so you know, it's, things it's, like that. it's not just about making money on TikTok. basically you can use TikTok as a way to grow um all your other stuff as well Oh yeah. I mean, yeah. I mean, TikTok, like any other social media platform, you can use ads and things like that to, you know, boost your views and, you know, get, get your music to people that may not have seen it before. And like you brought up fight the fade. And one of the comments that stuck out to me was, uh, it was a video of, uh, zine singing one of the songs and somebody said, Oh, it reminds me of Chester Bennington. Like, this person's never heard of Fight the Fade before. They like that type of music, but like just because of seeing this video on TikTok, now they're like, oh, I'm gonna go find them on Spotify. Yeah. And listen to every single thing they have to offer. Right. Yeah. Like, I, I think it's just a really good way for people to kind of draw people to the other forms of making money. I didn't even think about making money on TikTok itself, but I'm sure some people are doing some real big like product placement money, like ads as well, like people that get really popular on there. So I'm sure there's all sorts of ways oh, yeah. to monetize it. Oh yeah, there's there's a whole bunch of whole bunch of monetizing and, you know, sponsored sponsored videos and stuff. Like Definitely. I can make a video I can make a video where I have Mountain Dew be the feature and if it went viral and Mountain Dew saw it, they could be like, oh, we're going to throw some money at you and we're going to make this a sponsored video. And Aren't then you the one sudden, that's throwing money at, at everyone, right? That's your job? What's that? Aren't you the yeah, one that's throwing money? <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah, and I, I think it's awesome. And I think Fixed is doing things a lot of a lot of ways in the right way. I mean, even just getting you on this podcast, I texted you earlier in the day and you responded was like, yep, let's do it. So it just shows you guys care about music and you care about being involved. Um, yeah, not for only, sure. Not only with your own bands, but just with uh, anybody. It's it's really nice and good to see in the, in the modern world. Um, and yeah, I, I think with with fixed like what's the what's the next step as far as just like what fixed growth so are you guys like look trying to pick up a bunch of new artists or are you just trying to take your artists and you know put out music with them and monetize in different ways yeah i mean i don't i don't do a whole lot with the recruiting of the artists and things mm -hmm. like that but i think that you know we want to do the most we can with artists that we have and if the right opportunity you know presents itself um to add an artist to our roster that we feel fits you know what we're like fits our culture um as a label um you know i think that's you know something we we look at and um you know we we strive, like I've mentioned earlier, you know, we strive to be the best partner we can for the artists that we have. So at the end of the day, 
um, my job. I'm going to do everything I can for, you know, those people I'm working with. How and many, that's going to be my focus. How many artists would be too much? Like, cause you guys are a small team. <laughs> and so it, it, that's what I feel like with, with a lot of labels or even booking agents or managers at some point, they just start getting too many artists and they can't pay as much attention. So do you think there's going to be a cap or do you think that fix would just try to expand the staff to try to handle it? Yeah, I think that, you know, with the right situation, with the right artists that fits our culture, you know, um, we do what we can to make sure we, we make sure that everyone's taken care of. Yeah. You don't think and that if, if, you don't think having 30, 30 bands with four people in the office is too much? Uh, no. Cause we got, I mean, we got you people got a whole elsewhere. Bunch of people, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We, yeah, we've got, we've got a team, uh, re- that works remotely. So Definitely. we've got, yeah, we've definitely got quite the team, um, to take on what we, what we can. And, um, you know, I think that, you know, we, we're, we're going to put ourselves in a position to take care of everyone that we can. If, if, a if a band fits the culture, then I think that, you know, James and them are going to make the, the right decision. So, yeah. And you guys have like a, a discord with all your bands and everyone talking in there. And so you have created like this community, not only with the staff, but also with the, the artists involved with the label too. And that's, that's something you never, ever see. And uh, I just think that that's super cool. I think that, I think everything that you guys are doing is super cool. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Communication is certainly key. Like, you know, it's great that I can, I can reach out to an artist, um, you know, any day and, you know, talk to them and, you know, I can ask them a question about, you know, an expense or their royalties or statements that I sent them. They can ask me the same, you know, ask me questions back or we can shoot this shit about music. Like, there are a couple artists that I talk with music about quite a bit. I've sent them our music and been like, Hey, give me your thoughts. And you know, it's, you know, become more of a friendship than, than anything. So, yeah, you know, that, it's great. To, it's, 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 yeah. It's, it's, it's great to have that, you know, the connection um, and be able to communicate with everyone. Heck yeah. Well, I, I appreciate you talking to me, Travis. There's not many people that get to hear the perspective from someone that uh, works inside of a label. And so I think it's, it's always good to hear the different perspectives from people in the music industry. And um, definitely we'll be talking to you here soon about all sorts of stuff. And I need to check out, uh, I'm going to check out your TikTok, see what you got going on, see if I can compete. <laughs> Sounds good, man. <laughs> all right, well, I'll talk to you later, Travis. Thank you. All right. Thanks, Johnny. Peace.